Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Very excited to welcome everyone into the flagship podcast this week. Special guest, a good friend, Joel Klatt. I mean, he is the voice of college football on Fox Sports. Just all around smart guy. And of course, friend of the Big 12 from his days as the quarterback at Colorado. And look at him now. I mean, I remember when he was just, just a radio guy in Colorado. That's right. And now look yeah. at him. I mean, Joel, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Um, yeah, excited. I, I, you know, there were some real times of, of skepticism and doubt during the course of this offseason. I'm sure uh, I'm no different than all of you. And uh, so to get to this point where it's basically game week, um, you know, I think something pretty drastic would have to happen to, to at this point, see these games go away. So that makes me very excited. I can't wait to get uh, – I'm going to be in Baylor for their game against Law Tech on Saturday, and uh, I can't wait, man. Um, Red River's on the schedule. It's, uh, it's back to my roots. I used to just call Big 12 games, and so now we're back in that boat. Well, Joel, I don't know about you, but when, when we had the day where the Big 10 and the Pac-12 – said no to fall football and the big 12 presidents were meeting that night and they said you know what we're going to continue on yeah i stood up and and cheered i cheered for the big 12 and you know what the cohesion bob bowlsby who's now been around longer than a lot of the presidents that he's advising i mean you got first first year presidents at both texas and ou so you didn't quite know where the Big 12 presidents yeah. might, might land on a day where two other Power 5 conferences are saying no. As a guy, of course, played at Colorado when it was part of the Big 12, what were your thoughts that day? I mean, <clears throat> they weren't good. They weren't positive. I, I can tell you that. Um, there, was a, there was a lot going through my mind. Um, I mean, there's so many different directions you know, we could go w- with that. I think foremost, I was devastated for those players, many of whom I've gotten to know really well. I know some of the players at Colorado, obviously. I know a lot of players uh, at, at Ohio State uh, because I did seven of their games last year, you know, including Justin Fields. And um, I, I was devastated for the, for the players. Those, those young men have been nearly singularly focused for, for their entire lives on this skill, this, this – you know, this purpose in their life that has afforded them incredible opportunities, including higher education. And, and to, to just take that away with not a lot of transparency, uh, I could feel their frustration. And I was really worried for the unintended consequences of, of that purpose being taken out of their life, that, that accountability being taken out of their life. Um, 
I, I was I was worried for them. I put out a video. I don't know if you've seen, you know, and it was basically my defense for playing and and maintaining the accountability structure and the uh, structure of protocol and testing that football provides within a season. Um, and and one of the biggest arguments was the mental health of the players. So to answer your question, that's where I was foremost. Is I was devastated for for those players. And then as some of the other conferences stood up and said, hey, we're just going to pump the brakes and we're going to allow more data to reveal itself. I was really proud of those conferences, to be honest with you. And I think uh, in hindsight, most in the Pac-12 and in the Big Ten would say, hey, we probably should have just waited, punted to the next week, punted to two weeks later, punted to three weeks later, continued to postpone rather than postpone to the drastic um, uh, position that they did. And, and I think some of the infighting in the Big Ten is evidence of that. This new relationship that the Pac-12 has with, with their testing uh, partner in terms of the, the point of care rapid results uh, testing, that's going to be a game changer in terms of their return to play. I think that the Big Ten is looking like they're going to return to play. So what, what they felt like was a leadership position in those two conferences turned out to be a giant jumping of the gun. And, and I think that the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC just said, hey, listen, we're going to continue to wait, and we're going to try to make the best decisions that we possibly can based on the most complete set of data and information that we possibly can. And I think that they've done a great job uh, of that. And I think a lot, of, a lot of what I was worried about is exactly what you brought up in the question was the fact that we had unknowns at OU in Texas from a decision-maker standpoint. Because let's be honest, right? The reason the Big 12 exists and it's not the Pac-16 is because of Texas. You were on top of that uh, way back when, when, when all that happened. So whether this conference was going to play or not largely was, was going to be on the shoulders of, of those two decision makers. And, and I think rightly so. They just said, listen, we're going to wait. We're going to maintain uh, the ability to continue to evaluate evidence and information and data and medical information and get that uh, information from experts. And, and I think it's paid off in a huge way. Long answer. That was long winded. I know. No, it's, it's thoughtful, Joel. Very, <laughs> very thoughtful. Um, Joel, I want uh, you, you covered a lot of OU mm-hmm. and I'm, I've been covering Texas for since, you know, Forever. Jesus was a boy. That's right. And, That's right. And so, you know, I've been saying that 2020 is the year for Texas Tom Herman, because, yeah, you know, and he said we, maybe we got there a little early in 18 when they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. They, and they did. And they did. So 2020, you got Ellinger, four-year starter. You got nine starters back on defense. You got veterans, talent at every level. Now, I, I look at the revised schedule that the Big 12 came out with, and yeah. OU got no favors whatsoever. Like, I'm stunned at their schedule. Because they have a first-time starter at quarterback. I don't care how talented Spencer Rattler is, but they get the four yeah, best. I, I don't know if that matters, but but continue. They get the four best defenses in the Big 12 to start. I know. You get K-State. You get you get Iowa State in Ames. Who beat, who beat them last year, by the way, K-State. Who beat, right. right. The two, and who beat them last year, and Iowa State was a two-point conversion pass from beating them last year. That's right. And they have nine starters back on defense. Then you get Texas with their nine starters back on defense. Then you get TCU. Yeah. I'm, and they don't play a game at home in the month of October. I know. I'm like, I brought that wow. Up. I, I, I zoomed with Lincoln um, 
last week was the last, I don't know. The days are running together. And I was like, Hey man, you're, you don't play in Norman in October. And he looked at me kind of like, I know you're like, can you believe this? So, uh, they're uniquely aware of it. There's no doubt. Um, and I want to go back to the way that you started the question about, you know, Texas and, and this being probably more the year for Texas in terms of, of where we should have been looking than last year. And you're absolutely right. When you looked at their experience coming back last year, it wasn't great, right? But they had young talent. They had Ellinger back. And you thought, well, they beat Georgia. I mean, you know, they're, this is going to snowball into, you know, something that we see a, a great team. And then all of a sudden you get injuries. What's the last thing you can afford to have when you don't have any experience in injuries, right? And they were decimated by injuries. As bad as – th- would you say as bad as maybe you've seen in 20 years at Texas? Yeah, because they were – It was close. Right. They, they only had two starters back on defense, and then they started getting injured on defense. Right. I think against the, Kansas they had like eight redshirt freshmen or sophomores on the field. At one point their entire secondary was out. You know, I mean, so now you look at it. You still get Ellinger back. I think they upgraded, all due respect to Todd Orlando, I think they upgraded at the coordinator positions. And you've got nine starters back on defense, not just nine starters, but because of the rash of injuries, almost all the depth has playing experience. You see how that's so important? So now, yeah, nine starters, but you got 20, I think it was 23 guys with pretty significant playing time uh, under their belt on the defensive side of the ball. That's important. They, they, I think that they've solidified their run game. I think that their offense is a little bit better. And I think the benefit – now, you're not always under the radar at Texas, but I think the benefit for them this year is people are more in a wait-and-see mode than they were last year. And so you're, you're allowing this team with all that experience – to fly under the radar just a little bit, which I think is probably better for them rather than, you know, this, this moniker of, of Sam on the stage telling Holly Rowe we're back and all this different, you know, I mean, th- this is, uh, I didn't pick them because OU's the five-time champion, okay? But, man, I like Texas a lot. I really do. And I'm, I like I'm trying Texas to – a lot. Right, I'm trying to not – be a homer here you know right. that's why I asked you about Oklahoma because Lincoln Riley's the best there is I mean I talked to NFL coaches I talked to high school coaches they're all watching OU film it's and, unbelievable and Chip, it's unbelievable can I give you an example real quick like I'm sure you guys this is what I love about coming on shows in Texas is that y'all are y'all uh, are so like football savvy, right? You understand football, the nuances of football. Last year in the Red River game, first of all, I was, I was preparing for an OU game after Red River. And I go back and I started charting the Red River game. Lincoln got into 31 form, different formations one time. That's insane, Right. And, and here's the thing is he was running like the same four or five concepts out of that. But for the defense, it looks like a foreign language because they have no cue. They have no basis for saying, oh, here comes that concept again, because it looks different. You know, whether it's, it's a motion or a strength option, a personnel group, 
I mean, 31 formations one time, that's insane. I've never charted something like that at the college level. And, and so um, that gives you an idea of, of why OU has been so difficult to beat, is that their offense is just so good. And I will say this about the returning quarterback. I don't think it matters. I really don't. He's taken two quarterbacks that were basically brand new to the system and, and really first-year starters for him, and they played Heisman-level football. I don't know if Spencer Rattler is going to play Heisman-level football. I'm worried about their running back room. Obviously, they wish they had Trey Sermon back after uh, the news that Kennedy Brooks is going to opt out. But they are the five-time champion, and Texas is going to have to go beat them, which they have in Red River. But then Texas has to go do what OU normally does, which is take care of business the rest of the schedule in the Big 12. Right, right. And I look at this and I say, okay, Oklahoma – unbelievable the defense got a lot better last year under Alex Grinch yeah. the O-line's gonna be really good this year O-line's gonna be really good and they always have talent they always have talented receiver their quarterbacks the wide receivers while inexperienced are really good you know I think so, that the biggest question is running back for them to be honest with you so the 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 two other teams that I think are worth talking about in the big 12 Iowa State and Oklahoma State Iowa State, I mean, they are dangerous. I said that mm-hmm. they were going to beat OU in Ames, even in the first schedule and even in the revised schedule. I'm saying that because they almost beat them last year. And I think Iowa State with Purdy a year wiser, you know, Brees Hall and their tight end, Charlie Kohler, and the defense, nine starters back. And you're getting Spencer Rattler early in the season. That's a danger game. And then Oklahoma State. I, I don't know what to make of Oklahoma State, Joel. Because I think they're going to be good. I'm I think they're going to be good. Man. I think they're going to be really good. I think it's Texas and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game. Oh, wow. OU not even there. I, I see OU losing to Iowa State in Texas. And I think wow. Texas gets through with either one loss or no losses. I think it's going to be fascinating. I can't wait. And and by the way, I'm going to be at all of these games. This is all I've got, man. I'm 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 like the the resident Big Twelve that's announcer right. this year. With uh, the Big so Ten Gus out. Will, that's right. So Gus and I will be in the Big Twelve all year. Um, K State, Oklahoma on the 26th. Uh, Red River will be there. Um, I believe that we're going to have OU Iowa State. Uh, that game that you're talking about. And that falls the week before Red River, if I'm not right. mistaken, which That's, is wild. A road game right before Red River at a really difficult spot. Normally, that's not the case, right? Like the Big 12 takes care of Texas and OU generally week before Red River. Wouldn't you agree with that? Right. Yes. And, yeah. and th- this is, and I believe Texas plays at home the week before Red River. Against TCU. Yep. That's right. So, each of them have a tough game. I'd say the tougher game certainly is going to play at Ames. I think Lincoln Riley is hoping that the no fans at Iowa State – remember they said they were going to have like fifteen or 20,000. And not that that's going to be like difficult to play in, but no fans is even a better situation if you're a road team. So I think OU may get the benefit of playing them early while – you know, because of the, the COVID spike in, in Iowa and more specifically on the campus in Ames – that they might be able to play there with no fans in the stands. You you played the game, Joel, and you Not played in a high in, level. At a high level, seventy to three, brother. Well, you were in the Big Twelve championship game. What is the lack of fans or the twenty five percent capacity going to do 
for these players, for the atmosphere. I mean, college football is so much about the passion and the, the zaniness of the fans for it to be, you know, muted to 25% or even no fans. What does that do to home games and, and away games? I have no idea because I've never seen it, right? Like, I will tell you, I think that it's been very interesting, very interesting, watching all the other sports, European Soccer League, um, baseball. Wouldn't you agree? Like, And baseball is a little different because of top and bottom of the inning, but basketball, obviously, because they're on neutrals. But it's like home and road has kind of just like gone by the wayside. Right. I mean, I think that even in the first few weeks back in the European League and the soccer, like 60 percent or 70 percent of road teams were winning games. You can make an argument and I would probably be on this side that as a team, you're more focused when you go on the road than when you play at home because there's just less distractions. You're in this bubble. You're on the charter flight. You're doing this thing. So if you're now a more focused group and you're not having to deal with the hostility of the crowd noise and, and um that sort of thing from a playing standpoint, you could see in theory road teams have a way higher winning percentage, which I think that they will this year uh, during the course of the overall season in the big 12. It'd be like yeah. playing at Kansas every week. That was a low blow. That well, low blow. you know, Texas has had its problems with Kansas. now. <laughs> Good God. They had to drive to a game winning field goal in the final on the last oh. play of the game last year. Oh, Texas man. fans listening to us right now. And, uh, and we'll continue with Joel Klatt, uh, the voice of college football for Fox here uh, on the flagship podcast in just a second. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Joel, you mentioned the two new coordinators at mm -hmm. Texas, and I, I talked to Lincoln Riley. I said, uh, he came on my radio show, and I said, um, you know, what's, would you rather have a returning quarterback um, or, or what value would you put on that, especially in the pandemic? Mm -hmm. And is that going to be a big deal for the teams? Do they have an inherent advantage if they have a returning quarterback? And he said, well, and he, he brought up the fact that he had Alex Grinch last year, and he said, I'm sure I'm glad I, have, I don't have to replace any coordinators this yeah. year. Yeah. Because our guys know our system and, and – Spencer Rattler's been in our system for a couple of years. He knows what's going on. And, you know, obviously, Texas has seven new assistant coaches. Yeah. And, again, we've never been through a pandemic before. We've never had no spring football. We've never had Zoom meetings 
as as the basis for the team. So how big a advantage or disadvantage do you think that is? Because there is an element of surprise for new coordinators. Yeah, I think that let's just say this. I would rather have an Ellinger back than a coordinator back. Right? He's the one taking the snaps. I was on the field. Like I understood on the field I could control more than the coordinator controls. Right? I'll just be like very frank with you. So I would put much more value in a returning quarterback than a coordinator. And I, I would say this for the fact that while it, I know it was different, just think of the lineage of like, okay, Herman works for Urban Meyer. They win a national championship. Herman moves on. Ryan Day kind of moves in and he's learning Urban's offense. It's certainly tweaked a little bit. There's no doubt. But then Yurchis goes from Oklahoma State to Ohio State. He learns under Ryan Day. So there's going to be elements and, and things that are similar. You know, like the origins of what they're trying to do, I believe, are similar. Right. So I don't think that this is a wholesale change, certainly. I don't think Ellinger's having to learn a new offense. I think that this is very much just tweaking, making things a little bit better. What did Ryan Day do to Urban's offense and Herman's offense that made it a little bit more explosive? Because we certainly saw that over the last couple of years. Um, and so I don't, I don't think that's a big one. And then defense, you know, defense, I, I wouldn't place as much importance because remember, I, I s still certainly believe that defense is more about effort than it is about uh, timing and execution. Yes, there's details and all that, but offense is so much about timing and details and being detail-oriented. Whereas defense, it's like line up correctly and fly to the football and tackle well. If you can do that, you'll play solid defense. I think Chris Ash is a really, really good coordinator. I think he'll simplify some things for Texas and make them a really solid defense. So I'm not quite as worried on the Texas side as maybe others when they're saying like, oh, so many new assistant coaches. Certainly you would rather have all your assistants back. Um, but with a quarterback back and a head coach back, I think that they're still in a really good spot. Yeah, I mean, some people say, oh, Chris Ash, he was terrible at Rutgers. Well, go back to when he was a coordinator at Ohio State. He was great. They won and, the national yeah, championship. Right. So give me your thoughts on, on the hires. I mean, he also, he also had like Bosa and I mean, right. So, I mean, part of it is you got to have, have the, the dudes. Um, but yeah, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I mean, just give me your thoughts on Mike Yersich mm -hmm. and Chris Ash. Uh, I, I like them both. Uh, one, it's one of the reasons why I'm so high on Texas. I think that Tom did the right thing. I think that Chris Ash is a, excellent defensive coach an excellent defensive coach sometimes coordinators are not meant to be head coaches I think Rutgers is an incredibly tough job he went he took a swing it didn't work out you know so be it I think getting him as a coordinator is a huge uh, um, uh, boon for Texas and then I think Yurchich is, has quietly been one of the best offensive coaches in the country for a long time think of the great offenses Gundy's not calling the plays that was Yurchich's offense at Oklahoma State and they lit it up every year, right? And then he goes to Ohio State. They had – I'll be real. They should have beat Clemson, right? Like the, the, the way that those – I wish we could have seen LSU play Ohio State. Those were the two best teams in the country. That offense was incredible. And in large part because the passing game and the way Yurchich coached Justin Fields from the time I saw him in spring to where we saw him at the end of the season and, and during the stretch run – He's an excellent coach. I think he is, is a top-notch guy, and I think that they hit home runs on both of those. You mentioned you're going to be at the uh, Baylor-La Tech game. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's a dangerous game for Baylor. I too. I saw the number 17 and a half. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Did you see 17 and a half? Yeah. I mean, not that I look at lines. Not that I look at right. lines. I'm just saying, of course. like, Baylor's got a brand new coach. I don't know, man. Well, La I Tech beat Miami in the Independence Bowl. Right. And I, I, I mean, Skip Holtz, he's 6-0 and in bowl games, and he knows how to get his guys ready. But I picked Baylor to be in the Big 12 title game last year, and I love Charlie Brewer. But I, I see a big falloff. You got nine starters gone from that incredible defense. Yeah, but you, Matt and that Rule. was defensive-led. And Matt Rule is an ex – I mean, he went to the NFL, for goodness sake. So that guy's special. I, I totally agree. Now, we'll see what Aranda does. Uh, I think he's a good coach, but I'll, I'll quietly wait and see. I think that that's a really tough game for them. Lock yeah. Larry really Fedora yeah. uh, as the offensive coordinator. He was an analyst for Herman last year. It sounded like yep. he, he wanted a head coaching job, but, but decided, hey, I'll just go up I-35 here. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Baylor. Your thoughts on, on, on them? Um, I, I do like the hire. I like the Aranda hire. I think that it's in the vein of, Hey, here's a guy who has had a lot of success on defense in order to win in this conference. I don't think we're going to sit there and outscore OU and Oklahoma state every year. So typical or, or similarly to what Iowa state has done. And it's like, all right, we're going to build a team that can play solid defense. Kansas state's going to try to play solid defense. Now Baylor is going to try to build themselves defensively and try to swing the pendulum back to where, hey, listen, we're not trying to beat OU 55-52 is probably a losing proposition with the type of athletes that they have with, with Lincoln calling the plays. So let's try to swing back. Aranda had, had a great game plan with LSU against OU in the national semifinal last year. So I, I liked that hire quite a bit. I just don't know if this is the year – where they like continue to make this this you know run two defensive starters back and that was a defensive led team so uh, from my seat I think it's it's you know it's it's going to be a, a building year for them. You you have access to coaches in a way that that we don't. And Mike Gundy used to come on the radio in Austin with us. And then he stopped because he got grief from the local radios. And he said, I'm only going to do my Sirius XM radio show. And he just kind of got away from, you know, being part of the media interviews and everything. He's got a good personality. He's funny. But I feel like I've lost touch with Mike Gundy here. Yeah. What, what's your, <laughs> yeah. What's your sense of uh, Gundy? I know, you know, I, I, I knew Boone Pickens well. Mm -hmm. And there was a weird strain relationship there but what's your sense of Gundy and I mean I mean obviously Chuba Hubbard came back he could yeah. have gone and been an NFL draft pick and then he's the one who blows the whistle on his coach what's your sense of Oklahoma it's, State it's, it's it's weird they've got a lot of returning players a lot 17 I believe overall they've got their quarterback back best running back in the country maybe one of the best wide receivers in the country a lot of defensive players back including a lot of players in their defensive front seven um, and no one's talking about him because of all this stuff that went on because he wore a, a T-shirt. You know, I mean, it's um, – I I think that they could have a really good year. I wouldn't shock me at all, like you were saying, if they were in the Big 12 championship game. Um, and and this is this is one of those 
years where I think that they could be not just a good offense, but a great offense, like a, a great offense. Um, probably would be right up there with OU trying to lead the league, you know. So um, I, I get the sense that we're in line for a, a year in which Oklahoma State makes a legitimate run, like a very legitimate run. And if I was OU, I'd be very concerned about Texas and Oklahoma State because I think both both of those teams, at least on paper, probably are better than OU right now. Um, now they've got to go prove it, which is tough to do against a five-time champ. I've said, um, and I'm I'm picking Alabama, Clemson, Florida, and Texas to be in the playoff. And I'm a I'm a big Dan Mullen guy. What, what do you see of the three conferences that are playing in the Power Five? What do you see as, as the preseason favorites for the playoff? Um, I, I, like, I like Clemson because their league is no good. I like Notre Dame because the ACC is no good. Um, and then I like probably Alabama and maybe Florida. I think it's going to be tough for the Big 12, but we'll see. I think that they're just tough enough where they could knock each other off. Yep. Um, but that's kind of where, where I'm leaning right now, in particular with the Jamie Newman stuff. Joel, I take you when I can get you, my friend. Really, okay. really appreciate the time. And, you got it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in Big 12 country this fall. You got it, man. I'll be there. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, all right? Thanks so much to Joel Klatt, the voice of college football on Fox. And thanks to everybody for listening uh, to the flagship podcast. Until next time. I'm Chip Brown. Stay safe and keep the faith. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.